2: Hey cuties! I'm Miles Sexton, a content creator, activist, and loud and proud disruptor of the norm. On our private bits, we talk about the things and people that don't get talked about enough or at all. Trust me, as a sober HIV-positive non-binary person, I would know. Join me as I chat with people in my life and from around the world whose stories deserve to be heard. Maybe you'll learn something new, and you will definitely LOL. Our private bits is also part of the Acast Creator Network. All right, cuties. Today on Our Private Bits, we have Kane Nathaniel joining us. They are a transgender queer, disabled consultant and facilitator of Caribbean descent. They're also the co-founder of True Lives Consulting. Want to say hi, Kane? Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so excited to be reunited. I know I already just, uh, you know, fanned for a second. But, you know, from the moment we met... I just had this like energetic connection and I've been saying this about all of our guests today, but like literally I remember like I was on a panel, I think it was for JVN hair. And I just remember like looking out at you and I was like, I can't wait for this panel to be over because I need to talk to you. And, like, everything I was saying, you were giving me snaps. You were giving me, like, emotions. And I was like, okay, who is this person? I need to learn about them. And I'm just so excited today
0: to, like, get to know you more. Yeah, and the feeling was mutual. I was like, I need to walk up to you immediately, introduce myself, (laughs) and just put myself out there because you were just so charismatic and magnetic. Oh,
2: thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm so, so excited to to get to have this conversation today because, you know, as literally what we were like, just saying a few minutes ago, you know, I think that the trans community is, has so much like diversity, I think within it, you know, and that a lot of the time it gets like very categorized down to these like binaries of like what a trans woman should be, what a trans man should be. And like, you know and i think that there is such a spectrum like with with under the umbrella of the word trans and yeah. and i think that's why i i really wanted to like dive into this just to give people a different perspective of how trans people are living their life and the Absolutely. way that you celebrate your joy is just like yeah. so amazing and i just love seeing your Thank content you. online so I guess like, how, how do you define your transgender queer identity? I know it's a really big question, but
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my, my eyebrows went up as you were asking that cause it's been a journey, but I'll do my best to summarize it as succinctly as possible. Uh, where I'm at right now with defining my identity is I'm trying to keep it as open and fluid as possible because it. that's the truest representation of myself. Um. Coming into the world, I was, I don't even like to say socialized anymore, Mm -hmm. but I was raised with the assumption that I was a woman. Yes. And so that created such an interesting dynamic in my life. And I'm grateful for all the lessons and experiences I had um, from other people treating me in that way Mm -hmm. because it showed me certain things. And I'm sure we'll dive into that as we go on. we dive in a totally. bit further later, but I think right now I identify as genderqueer. Mm-hmm. I still use trans just as a placeholder to say, you know, when I came into the world, you identified me a certain way. Yes. And when I had more of an ability and access to language to understand myself, I was able to say, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's all trans means to me. It's totally. you were wrong, Yeah. <laughs> and which is great, it feels so powerful. And genderqueer is a little more spe- specificity about who I am in the world and how mm-hmm. I move through the world. And it just means, I don't move through the world as one thing and I don't have a static identity. Totally. So it's just a a word that means freedom.
1: Yeah.
2: I love it. I love it. And I relate so much to that too, right? You know, would, was there moments on I guess like your journey. Cause how old were you when like I guess you started your transition?
0: You know what? I have been doing a lot of deep thinking about this and I need to start journaling and put mm-hmm. my story on paper. Yes. But elementary school. Yeah. Wow. Right. Because okay. that's when you first start to realize you're gonna get divided into boy and girl, yes. right? For gym. So true. Gym oh classes, God, that's, that's like the number one where yeah. you realize I don't know which side to choose. Totally. And you get in its distress and yes. it's stressful for us. Yeah. Huh.
2: Did you feel, like, at a point in your your sort of journey, like, did you feel like you needed to, like, go to the opposite binary
0: of, like, what you were assigned at birth? Or, like, yeah, like, what was that like That's for you? That's a really good question. Yeah, Actually, I think, you know, early on in my childhood, it was definitely, like, okay, you only have two choices. Yes. So, if I don't feel like I'm the choice that people are giving me, then it just means that I should go to the opposite side, right? Yes, totally. Question mark. Totally. And no one, no one was around to answer that question for yeah. me, so I just chose what was available. Yeah. Yeah, so it felt like being a man, was was that what I wanted? I kind of didn't really question it, but I was like, okay, there's a term that existed at the time. I don't know if this generation is still using it, but tomboys. Yeah. Yes, totally. And so I was like, maybe I'm a tomboy. Yeah. Yeah. Which and the original non-binary identity, yeah, I think. 100% yeah, 100% <laughs> it was, right?
2: Yeah. But like, how did that, like, you know okay so so we landed on tomboy you know at that time and i guess yep. like did like what felt
0: right what didn't feel right like when you were sitting in that like when at that moment i actually have a funny story i, I don't know if it's a story but something to kind of add on to that at the time when i was growing up it was the late 90s mm-hmm. early 2000s and spice girls was a big part of my yes. life they were one of the Same. first girl groups that i had and so The way I decided I was a tomboy was not only because of the binaryism in Mm. elementary school, but because I saw the different identities in Spice Girls. And I would choose which one I felt more related to. And so all the really feminine um spice girls didn't really click with me. Like baby I loved, but I was like, I'm not baby. Totally. It's like I love scary spice, but I'm not that confident. Yeah. And so I was like. Sporty spice. Right. <laughs> I so it. I was like, that's my gender. Oh my god. <laughs> but I didn't know.
2: That's hilarious. Yeah. I also was obsessed with Spice Girls because like but like my parents were like, Oh, you can only like Sporty Spice because you're a boy. Oh my so goodness. I was like forced into only liking them, but I was like such a posh fan because I just thought I posh was it. so sexy yeah. and like it's how I wanted to be. Are we allowed and to cuss it? Like, Are we allowed to cuz? Yeah. I oh yeah. Say like, oh yeah. Posh is kind. Oh totally. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah. You're definitely giving that. Yeah. One hundred percent. Like I was like, like in the movie when she's like running through the field at like the military school and her heels are yes! going into the grass.
0: I was like, oh my, that's literally you. <laughs> Every time I see you, you're wearing like the highest heels possible. Like that's literally you.
2: Yeah. Shout out to Posh, like really yeah. doing it for the queers. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. David Beckham is a very lucky uh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. And their family. They're just oh, so cute. So gorgeous. Beautiful. Yeah. But you know, we, we, yeah. <laughs> we veer, we veer. Yeah, we but veer. like, you know, I have to, have to take that moment for the Spice Girls. Yeah. I agree. So was there like, I guess so, I mean, for myself anyway, I feel like there was a huge moment where, you know, like for quite a few years, I was like, I was living definitely like leaning way more into like my divine feminine, you know, like I was really questioning whether or not I was going to transition, you know, Mm. into like identifying as a woman and you know i was sort of like navigating that and, and for me like it was like you know i was wearing a lot more makeup i was wearing you know full face of makeup every single day oh like my God, The you know yeah wow. i was a lot <laughs> so much so much time before yeah. going to work you know like was wearing more feminine like a really really feminine clothing you mm-hmm. know like i really wanted to present as as female you know like out yeah. in the world did you have like a similar moment to that like when you were going through like the tomboy thing where we were like i'm like am i going to transition into male or like yeah,
0: yeah. That's it. Oh my goodness. I'm like time traveling right now yes. because there was a bit of a process. So it started as diving deep into hyper femininity yes. to hide what I yeah, was totally. dealing with. And then as I got older, so as we enter middle school age, I forget what age that is specifically, let's say like 11 or 12 or something. I started to dress in baggier clothing. So yes. instead of going for something that was more affirming and and having access to clothes that maybe were more tomboy yeah. but fitted my body, it was actually like I'm going to hide my body mm-hmm. and wear double XL clothes totally. or yeah, borrow something from my 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 mom's closet that wasn't my size yes. but totally. it's just a sweater. Yeah, so I think um, there wasn't any opportunity to have that middle ground or go to my parents or even some relatives and just be like, hey, can you take me shopping and get me something a little more me? Yeah. You know, so I just made do with what I had.
2: Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, but like, were your parents like supportive of of like, you know,
0: wearing the baggier clothes like oh. and presenting more masculine or? I don't even know to this day if yeah. they noticed that change. I mean, I stopped wearing the clothes that they were choosing. Yeah, so I feel fair. like they're just like, why are you so upset that I'm buying dresses for church? Yes. And I'm finding it hidden in your closet. And I actually almost cut up one of the dresses at one point, <laughs> And my mom caught me in the process and then like obviously didn't do it. But oh that's how God. much I hated dresses yeah. back then, uh, which I now love. But uh, they weren't supportive because they didn't want to see it. I think it was out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to notice that my child is clearly struggling with something and Mm -hmm. I don't have time to because I'm working full time overnights and I'm not really around to notice these changes. So I think that was a saving grace for me in terms of like, okay, I can play around with how I'm dressing myself. I have a little bit of freedom in that sense, but I don't have the funds to go out and find the clothes that feel best for me. So, in a way, I was lucky uh, that they didn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, so you had that opportunity to kind of, like, explore yes, a bit of, exactly. Of I was a kid of the street, so I was always hanging yeah. out at my friends' places, I or it. I was outside. So, that was my way of not being in a home where I would have had to play a gender that I wasn't, totally. even though I didn't know that that's what I was doing.
2: Well, because I think it's interesting, because you said like, because you're born in Toronto, right? Yeah, born
0: and raised in Toronto. So I
2: never meet people that are actually from Toronto. I feel like everyone is from somewhere <laughs> that we all, like, meet in this amazing yeah, city, you true. know? But, like, did you have, like, being in Toronto where it is so diverse, like, did you, could, did you see people around you that were, like, you know, were that were expressing themselves in a way that you wanted to?
0: I think Toronto, West End, elementary schools, or even just in the West End in general, yeah. from the 90s to the 2000s was very interesting Mm -hmm. because even though there wasn't really as much outright anti-trans anti-queer uh campaigns in the media and the news it was more of like an undercurrent or something that was just built into society so for us in etobicoke where i grew up there were kids that were openly gay and were saying it amazing and they were definitely made fun of in terms of like, oh, you're so feminine or you're so fruity or like, Mm -hmm. why are you wearing that? Or why do you do this with your hands or stuff like that? And, but they were still accepted in a way, Mm -hmm. but they were like kind of forced to hang out with the girls only. So if you're a gay man, like you just hang out with the girls, the guys don't want to hang out with you, but they're not necessarily going to attack you all the time. Yeah. I'm sure it happened. Totally. But uh, in terms of seeing visible queer and trans people, I would say when we would go downtown, the rare moments that we would go out as a family, we would see... People that were clearly trans, but my parents being raised Caribbean, yes. Trinidad and Grenada, and then immigrating here, they didn't, there were definitely trans people in the Caribbean, yeah. but they didn't have the language for it. So they would see a trans person and be like, oh, look, a drag, a drag queen or something mm. like that. So, you know, I mean, I'll take it over yes. being like, ew, let's get away from that person or something like that, uh, which I'm sure my mom did back then, but I don't remember. But I think in terms of exposure, it was very, very limited to when we would leave our end of uh, of Etobicoke and go downtown. That's when we would able to. S- I was able to see queer and trans people. But at school, they were very much like they would dress like everybody else. So mm-hmm. to say that I saw visible queerness, not really. I saw people trying their best to fit in and totally. fly under the radar. And so I learned that if I was going to try to explore that part of myself that i was either gonna get bullied way more than i already was Mm -hmm. and be ostracized or i would have to just just hide yeah yeah those are my options it's so it's so interesting because you know for someone like myself who grew
2: up in nova scotia like i was Mm. like you know like what would my life be like if i lived in toronto but i still think it's like you know, I think it's, like, those rare moments of being on Queen West and seeing yes. just people expressing themselves is such a, like, gift, yeah. you know? Young and
0: Dundas was, like, the hub. Totally. To all of that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know?
2: So, like, I think it is so great that you were able to have maybe those little moments of yes. just even just seeing, like, individuality, Oh, you know? It
0: saved my mental health, even yes. though I literally had no idea what the word gay meant. And back then totally. it was used as a slur and all of that it was like we were in the the before time so gay was not something you said openly it was just like you whisper it totally yeah, so you know, yeah. it's such a derogatory yeah. like thing exactly like, exactly
2: huh did like for your parents too because i think it's really interesting about the caribbean specifically because there's a lot of like subcultures within the caribbean that have their genders yeah and like you know but i you know unfortunately like religion and colonialism has like really stigmatized those third genders but i, th- I think i really use that as an example a lot mm. of the time of like you know especially there i can't remember which island it was that had like a really high population of like intersex people you Ooh, know as well i don't it's even in know the Caribbean. about that yeah, it's okay like, come on research yeah it was really it was really really interesting um but like like were your parents like aware of that at all like you know was that a part of the culture like I never grew up in the Caribbean so I wonder if that was like ever a topic of conversation
0: Ooh, only in recent years because I've been able to break ground with one of my parents so I don't have contact with my father and I haven't had for a long time and that's best for me and so with my mom we were able to touch base at certain points in my transition i'm going to call it that for now but i stopped calling it a transition yes. as well but uh we had a conversation about like hey did you notice trans people or queer people around you when you were still back home and mm-hmm. she said you know yeah there were trans women I, I, I she was like trans women i guess that's what you call them and i was like yeah yeah, yeah you can use that it's okay. not a slur like so you know cool. they're scared to say the word yeah, trans totally. cuz it feels like wrong to yes. them still and i'm like it's fine But she said, you know, we would have the one or two in our, uh, let's just call it a village, for lack of a better word. Yes. um, We knew them, but people would kind of, they were isolated. Mm -hmm. They had certain areas that they would stick to, and people would kind of point fingers and have these nicknames for them that they thought were harmless, but it was actually a slur or things that were clearly making the person feel uncomfortable. And she said, you know, I never knew how to to help them but they were always so sweet and friendly to Mm -hmm. me and we know we really like them and they dress so nice and they're always so (laughs) you know she always said like they had a flair and i'm like okay so people uh, notice us and we bring something and we add something to the culture but they don't know necessarily how to include us in their community so they do exist back home and i think just as a quick little fact you know trinidad has a government if um, they elected someone into government who's a trans woman as well no and way see, i didn't yeah, know this. this happened in the pandemic yeah amazing. so like learning about intersex community intersex community back home in the caribbean and then hearing about this i'm like okay things are changing slowly yes. they still have the buggery laws that are very archaic about okay. like you're not allowed to be caught yeah okay, you know yes. in sexual relations yes. with the same gender and so that still exists even though they don't uphold it uh, officially, but mm-hmm. it's there for them to use whenever they want. Totally, so, which needs to be dismantled. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Get rid of it. Get rid uh, of it. It's twenty twenty three. Come on. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed.
2: Okay, so going back, I want to. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah, like yeah. we're <laughs> jumping so much, yeah. but I love it. I love it. But going back, I guess, like to you know your journey. Was there ever moments where like you felt like any sort of like dysphoria, like with your body mm-hmm. or like with how you were presenting? Was that something that was like present for you?
0: Oh, yeah, I think specifically, I would say, late elementary, I was concerned about the girls who were excited about growing, a growing breasts, mm-hmm. they were so excited. And so by the time we got to middle school, there was even more girls around me, and including my friends talking about how they excited they were yeah. to hopefully be able to wear a bra soon or get their first bra. And I remember when those conversations kept happening, a, a part of me inside would just kind of like tighten up, like mm. I couldn't breathe. And I felt tense. And I started panicking and I now know that that's an anxiety attack. Yes, I didn't know that's what totally. it was. And, um, and that would happen every single time. And, and later in life, I realized like, oh, that was me experiencing dysphoria mm-hmm. because I didn't want my body to do that. I never wanted a chest. I didn't want to have to wear a bra. And that was something I decided from grade six. So whatever age that is, and that was very young. What about that do you think was causing the d- dysphoria? Oh, I now understand that it was like, I don't want kids. I knew I didn't want kids Mm -hmm. from a very young age. And it's interesting that I was able to decide that, but it's based on a very dysfunctional family Mm -hmm. upbringing that I was like, oh, I don't want to recreate that. And I don't want my body to have to go through the process that I saw growing up. I actually was there for all of my siblings birth. So I yes. saw the process wow. and that was actually a little traumatizing for, for me. Sure. And I don't think kids should always be in the room as that's happening, but it was yeah, nice a to, lot. to see the birth of, to see life happening. Yeah. But I knew that I didn't want my body to do that. I knew I didn't want a uh, traditional family as I learned that you could adopt. I was yes. like, Oh, okay. If I don't want kids, uh, biological kids i can always adopt it's fine totally so i decided like i don't need a chest because one it doesn't make me feel authentic to myself Mm -hmm. i don't feel i just don't feel a sense of calm when i think about having that part of my body happen and then as a practical thing i was like i don't want kids so i don't even need them yeah so why not get rid of it totally yeah
2: was yeah. like because you had top surgery
0: I right? did yeah, yeah. yeah in 2020 oh my gosh I don't know how it managed to happen no? in the middle of lockdowns but oh I, my God. What? I had it scheduled in March actually the week lockdowns were announced I had I was days away from surgery everything was planned and I I get the call and I was like I had already seen the updates on social so yes like, I knew lockdowns were happening so I was like all right let me pick up this call and they were like I'm so sorry we have to put you back on the wait list we don't know when we can reschedule oh, no. we're figuring stuff out and my heart just sank because that was me waiting what age was i in 2020 i'm 30 now uh or turning 30 yeah. in october and and so i had waited over two decades yeah like two over two decades oh, of my, my life gosh. waiting for that surgery so i was like okay if i've waited this long i can wait a bit longer i hope it's not years and but we didn't know at the time and then luckily a few months later i got it at the end of june and I was able to get top surgery. Oh. So I'm so grateful. It has literally saved my mental health from being in a place that I wouldn't have been able to survive in the last few years without this. And I think that that
2: is what is so important. You know, I think with all of these tr- anti-trans anti protests that are yeah. going on right now, you know, like, it just, the way that, like, people are are just, like, weaponizing the trend yeah. like the you know the modifications or the surgeries or the or the like hormone blockers and all of these sort of things it's like these are all things
0: that are saving people's lives yeah and and it's like this is not a weapon how do you that's, argue with that you like, know like that's that you you literally if you argue with that point what you're saying is your life doesn't matter to me you shouldn't exist on this planet, even though I get yes. to exist and I get to live a full yeah. life. I don't think you should live a full life. 100%. And that just I can't process that. I can't no. comprehend how someone could want another human being to not exist simply because you don't understand who they are as a person and their community and their culture. Because it's cultural differences at yeah, this point. Absolutely.
2: You know, but it's like, why And this is something I never understood either, is like, why do people who are not trans get to decide and make decisions for trans people or like any type of community? It's like, why are not the communities itself deciding what is best for them? Because it is their experiences, you know? Like, absolutely. I don't know, it's just like, I really, I find it so frustrating a lot of the time, you know, when I see like when laws are being passed by, you know, heterosexual men. And And we're nowhere
0: in the room to be able to consult or to share our experiences or anything to inform policy and to inform law. And where are we in the in the room? We're not there. And it's It's clear. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
2: It is. Okay, so in a moment of celebration, you have your top surgery. You get the
0: reveal. Yeah. And like, what was that like? What was that moment of joy like for you? Oh, my goodness. It was so complicated because, you know, you spend the years leading up to it. So I had actually gone on hormones December 2019. Okay. So I am guess I'm coming up on, I'm over three years on hormones. So that was also a saving grace yes. when I got the announcement that I would get put back on the wait list for top surgery, right? Uh. I was like, okay, I'm on hormones, yeah. though. The process has started. I'm yeah. good. So that was just something that was important to note as well for me. But when I got it, we were in the middle of lockdowns and no one knew that much about COVID at the time, yeah. right? We were all very anxious totally. and stressful. And he didn't know if it was okay to even be physically close to people right so picturing that i get that i get top surgery i'm in recovery i couldn't even have a celebration or like a a party or something to invite my friends and just have that reveal with them and to document it i have no videos really i have like a few clips some photos but it didn't look the way that other trans people have posted on socials and i've been there's been a specific type of complicated heartbreak and and regret and grief around Mm -hmm. that but a saving grace and a big, big, big celebration for me was I was able to get booked later that fall in 2020 for uh, Shine True, okay, which is on Out TV and Fuse TV. Yes. And it was produced by Michelle Mama. Shout out to Michelle uh. Mama. Uh, and a whole team of queer and trans folks uh, behind it and involved in producing it. And that was where I was able to celebrate my top surgery. I think my episode uh, was centered around, it. We, what did we call it? a new moon ceremony because uh, there was yeah. going to be like a a full moon or something like that. And so we did a fire and I was able to talk about my experience and my Ugh. joy and celebrate with all a few of my trans, not all, but a few of yeah. my trans and queer friends around me. And that, that was more than enough for me. And that was such a privilege to have as a trans, a racialized trans totally. person. Totally. Especially.
2: And I, and I think it's like, I think that, that there's such a good lesson in that too, of like, you know, maybe it didn't. You know, in the moment when it happened, it didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to. But, like, we have the power to, like, reclaim that moment. And and also, like, we can do it at another time. You could to, do it another time, like, yeah. right? Because I got surgery in June. It. And yeah. then we
0: celebrated in the fall. So by September, we were filming. And I forgot to mention, it was a show that centered kind of a journey and and a makeover and a whole, like, life coaching process for 2SLGBTQ+ youth in particular I think so each episode documents a celebration and some kind of journey and process in their lives and I'm grateful I was able to be chosen for for that season and yeah it was I think you need that ceremony I think Mm -hmm. you need that kind of closure or a process to be able to release the grief of all the years that you lost to hiding absolutely not being able to exist like to Post your free job on linkedin.com slash
2: people
1: today.
0: Lose, and I just want for the anybody listening that's not aware of what that grief actually feels like, like to picture losing over 20 years of your life, not being able to actually like speak or be mm. heard or be seen and for other people to know that you're just like them, you're hiding and you're constantly waiting for all these lives within you to actually be able to come out and yes. to be there. And yeah, this is why people take their lives because they can't, even be heard or be seen totally it's
2: like i you know people don't realize it just it feels like you're not existing in yeah. the world and it's but you're in like, front of,
0: you you're like you're exist you're standing in front of people yeah. but you're not even there totally how do you even rationalize that uh, exactly yeah.
2: you it's it, it's really the most awful yeah. feeling. it's a prison 100 yeah. percent
0: it yeah. is. It's like being in the upside down. It's like being at whatever, you know, you've seen on TV of like totally. someone being in a completely different world and they can't get back to to earth or back to everyday life. That's what it felt like. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I I, I totally, totally relate oh, yeah. to it. Yeah. Did you feel like so then there's like, you know, you, you have your top surgery, you go on testosterone. Like, was there a moment where there was like almost like too much like masculine energy like coming in that you were like okay no n- this is where the gender queerness ca- came in oh
0: i fell into the gender quantum realm like it was yeah. such a wild thing because internally your whole world is changing yes right you're going through second puberty you are coming to terms with who you are and then you're you're trying to make sense of it because you spent your whole life being someone disingenuous and inauthentic to mm-hmm. yourself so now you're like who am i I haven't been allowed to actually (laughs) decide what that is. I don't even understand who I am. And at the same time, you're socially transitioning. Yes. So when you bring other people into the mix, that's when it gets really complicated and painful. Mm -hmm. So for me, trying to explore what masculinity, if it meant anything to me at all and what it meant to me was so much harder when I had queer community kind of sexualizing me or being really excited about the fact that I could be someone more masculine mm-hmm. and, you know, being called a top all out of nowhere and being like, I don't even know about the top bottom dichotomy because I've never <laughs> been a part of the gay totally. culture. Like I've been hiding. I don't, I don't even know if I'm going to be a part of that community yes. because I'm ever going to be seen as like a real gay man if yes. that was where I landed. So that's a whole other thing. But so I'm I'm grappling with being understood and seen by queer community and then having to exist around cis hetero folks Mm -hmm. so not using that as a slur I know that some folks are uncomfortable with the word cis but again in terms of like trans meaning you got it wrong at birth cis meaning you got it right and I'm comfortable and I want to be the gender I was assigned when I first came into the world so having to exist around cis hetero people uh that's when I realized oh I don't know if masculinity feels right for me Mm -hmm. or being read as a man because what they know as a man is so violent and Mm -hmm. patriarchal and nothing that I want to be and that's actually why I'm so happy to be queer and be trans because it means I'm free from all of that crap <laughs> yes, so exactly. you know so then I'm like wait so if I'm not a man in the way that cis people cis straight people understand manhood then what is manhood totally. what is masculinity yeah and that's when I fell into the quantum realm of gender and had to be like then why do I have surgery and why did I go on hormones yes. if I don't want to be a man and I had people questioning that yeah Clear people questioning that. And then people trying to take my femininity away because they thought, oh, you're on hormones and you're getting top surgery. Then you obviously don't like femininity and don't want it at all. And I was like, no, (laughs) I need time to figure out, you know, what uh, external expressions mean to me. So, for example, like people want to know if you're going to change how you how you dress. Yes. And if you're going to continue wearing makeup and if you're going to change your hairstyle and all these other pieces. I didn't even really care about that. Honestly, yeah. whatever I wear and how I look is just how I'm choosing to express myself. Mm-hmm. And we never question it when artists do it. Totally. Right. And performers. So why when a trans person who, you know, maybe on paper changes from point A to point B, yes. if that's how people are understanding it, then um, whoa, what was the point I was making? Oh, my God, I lost it. But like, I mean, to what you were saying, yes.
2: though, is like, you know, I think when we're kids, right, and we go into, like, the tickle trunk of clothes. Yeah. And we pick up a dress or we pick up a blazer or yeah. whatever. It's like we're not looking at it as masculine and feminine. We're just looking at this expression as, like, oh, beautiful this, fabrics exactly. and all I'm this just glittery putting it stuff. on, You know, yeah. it's society that is, like, forcing us to, like, categorize, I think, a lot of these, yeah. like, masculine and femininity. And, you know, and it's, like, there's yeah. so much. Like, I just recently read this book on, like, testosterone and estrogen and like how different it is in, in every single body and that Ooh. it's actually really like you, you can't say that like men and women have like more testosterone or more mm-hmm. estrogen because that's actually like not true at all yeah. and like can't be proven because like we all have such like drastically different amounts and like how it expresses and how yeah. what parts of our body like create it, and you know so it's like
0: It's almost like everything is so individual that we need to get rid of all the boxes that exist totally not working.
2: But that's just it, you know, and and it's like, I think a lot of this, like, you know, like we as humans created language, we created all Mm -hmm. of these constructs, we created all of this and like, you know, and it's just unfortunate that like, you know, now we're sort of in this time where we're we're trying to like really like relearn and uh, and get rid of these like colonial constructs that were developed for control. Yes. Right. And to like control, like, you know, marginalized communities and marginalized people. And, you know, so, but it's like, where, where do we land, you know, now? And it's like, how, how, how do we move forward? And so like, yes, I think it is good that we have like, you know, terms like non-binary and, you know, we're, we're able to like, you know, grow forward I think like in this sort of like in this sort of journey but I agree with you it's like is it do we eliminate it
1: do we you know do
2: we still continue with these like categories like I don't know I don't know what the solve is in this situation you know
0: that's our generation's task I think that's our era's kind of our battle our struggle like right now we're in this unraveling we're, decolon- we're in the process of decolonization mm-hmm. and we're starting to question and pick at everything and the generations coming up are saying enough is enough and yes. they are ready to throw stuff away totally. so the problem is is like we have everything so solidified in law and then you know the medical system is set up a certain way yes. and they've divided it into binaries and boxes that now we have to kind of like we'd have to start from scratch again yeah and that's not possible because it's all happening already every day and and all the time. So it's kind of like, how do we start to consult and ask the communities that are affected and most impacted and vulnerable about mm. how we can move forward with that? And that would be to as LGBTQ plus folks, disability yes, community and, you know, of course, uh, newcomers as well Absolutely. who are coming into this this con- this land and and what that means for them from other cultures. So, you know, I even think back at the during the lockdowns who. Was so upset about, and who was vocal about how upset they were that gyms were closed. Like, there was a lot of cis straight men that were upset that they couldn't work on their bodies. Yes. And that they couldn't access what I am understanding gender affirming resources. 100%. So they were feeling really uh, complicated and dysphoric in their bodies. And that, was something that was a light bulb moment for me. And then I've also done a segment with City Line where I was on a panel with other, I was the only trans person and there was a panel of cis women and we were talking about breast reductions. Mm -hmm. And the thread that was so common between all of us was that we just wanted access, agency, and choice about our bodies. And really, even cis women want breast reductions or they want top surgery just to, to get rid of a chest that they don't want. Yes, And it's not related to transness, they just, don't necessarily want it no and that's becoming more common totally in my life. i mean
2: it's like also like
0: a medical thing too exactly. like i know so many like women
2: i have women in my life that had to just get a reduction Absolutely. as well because it's like it was pain actually like physically. sometimes yeah totally was causing them like literally chronic pain yes exactly know? but it's like but it also comes down to like haircuts too it's like mm-hmm. how many women go get like you know
0: their hair done
2: it's like that is gender <laughs> affirming care exactly. you know Like it's not
0: weird it's just when we label it a certain way and totally. then they weaponize it and and demonize it then it starts to feel like a weird thing but when you actually talk about it the way we're doing right now it's like oh this is all normal i think humans just want to be able to have choice and to yes. express themselves and the more that you try to control them and say no and push down on them the more they're going to you're going to see more mental mental health mm-hmm. issues you're going to see more violence you're going to see more interpersonal violence because when people can't be themselves they're going to take it out on the next person which Absolutely. is their
2: own community totally 100 percent. and stop using marginalized communities as political please we are not
0: your monopoly pieces
2: like i'm so sick of it so sick of it especially with this like whole anti-trans and it ends up being kids
0: being the ones who are the weapon
2: exactly of course but it's just like the it's such an old tactic like you know you like you look at like you know the first the first round of you know the queer liber- liberation groups and it was the same thing it was like yeah. they're literally using tactics like oh like queer people trans people they're pedophiles and yeah. it's like it's literally the same thing that's happening again and i'm just like the amount of times i've been called a
0: pedophile in the yeah. last year i'm like it's ah. such a cheap shot it's literally a really easy trick like, that's all you got like yeah. okay let, like we let's, see through it and i hope people yes. are seeing through it because it you know even if it's not to us LGBTQ plus community, then yes. they're going to choose the next marginalized totally. group, the next like race. Group. Yeah, like now, and it's now, race. And now we're attacking race. Next it is, is going like... to be disability. It's always disability, always. but you know, and and yeah. that's the thing I noticed too is like they want to compare. You know, I, this might take us off topic, but just to put it out there, you know, they are trying to also compare transness to disability but in a negative way where it's yes. like oh no these people are definitely mentally ill yeah. and you know it's such an old school argument as well and that needs to go out the window 100%. you know trans people who are neurodivergent and are disabled exist yes and so what does that mean for them totally mm-hmm.
2: but but to your point you know like it, i was reading an article that just came out and it was like being trans or non-binary or whatever gender gender fluid it's like that is not actually like a, the mental illness or like the, any sort of like the mental distress that happens mm-hmm. it actually doesn't have to do like it's now been like proven that it doesn't have to do with wanting to transition it's actually the pressure that society is putting yes. on them and them the the fact that they have to come out and they have to go through the transition, that is what's causing the mental, like any type of mental illness exactly. or distress. You know, it's like not actually, it doesn't have anything to do with who they actually are. Yeah, that you was know? true for
0: me. It was really other people that created such a distressing and suffocating mm-hmm. environment for me to try to live in and exist in that it made me feel like I, was, I should shrink, I should be quiet, I should hide, I should self-harm. I should do all yes. kinds of things to myself because I'm the problem, I'm wrong. And the whole time it was because other people weren't taught and educated how to show compassion and be understanding and, and mm-hmm. open to people who are simply living a different culture and life than you. It's not a lifestyle, but a different life than you. Yeah, um, exactly. Oh, yeah, I love it. Job.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love Lizzie Talk. Oh, yeah. You're amazing. Likewise, it's mutual. <laughs> so I guess like, you know, on On the topic of like masculinity and like femininity, like what does that look like for you? like what what makes you feel masculine? What makes you feel feminine? like how have you sort of like defined that for yourself? because, you know, as you we were kind of touching on earlier, yeah. you were like, you know, like this actually doesn't I don't want to be a man like this. This is what masculinity
0: represents. So I'm curious, like how does that represent in your daily life? how really exciting, such a challenge because like this is honestly a lifelong process and where we're at right now in queer community it's so interesting to see such a vast spectrum of feminine and masculine Mm -hmm. energies i think that's the best way to honestly talk about it because there isn't like a a standard or a list of things that you need to meet to be masculine or feminine it's more like how do you embody these elements um, that we currently understand as like Maybe femininity is more aligned with nurturing, Mm -hmm. caretaking, and not in a dismissive or belittling way that people have assigned it to cis women. But Mm -hmm. like the roles that people play in community. I think that's how I look at masculine and feminine energy. And so when I'm embodying that, I think it's really, it's almost like a performance. And I like calling it that. Yeah. Because when I step into the world, I am... I have to be a different person at any given moment on any given day, sure. depending on what, what, what's needed from me. So, you know, it's, it's how I carry myself in my body, even just how I hold my shoulders, how I move through the world, my mannerisms. And it's absolutely my, my external expression, like what I'm wearing does mm-hmm. contribute to that energy. Totally. So when I wear something more form fitting or a silhouette that's like tight to my body, I do see that as like a, it's more sexy and so it's like this like dark feminine energy mm-hmm. that i want to i want to show off and then when i wear like maybe something more tailored yes. and structured then that's like okay i'm going into boss energy i'm yeah. like the Ooh. business energy like which absolutely can like you know blur and be fluid and all of that but i like when there is that that option to step into mm-hmm. an energy if that makes sense. Absolutely. I feel like you you definitely walk through the world with that understanding. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that.
2: So, you know, I, I was discussing this with someone else the other day on Instagram and like because For me, in my life, like, I I guess, like, I've had to really, like, how do I, like, reclaim masculinity? Mm -hmm. How do I reclaim femininity? Because, you know, it's, like, been the cause of so much of my shame in my life.
0: You you talked to me about how you felt like people tried to take your femininity away. Always. It was, like,
2: weaponized, Mm -hmm. you know, for me growing up. Like, it was, like, any ounce that it sort of leaked you know it came out like it was like that's what people targeted and it was mm. so like it was so awful but now it's it's interesting because I feel like when I feel my most masculine is when I'm dressed like this and for ah! the record I'm in a tiny little dress looking like Wednesday Adam with giant stilettos <laughs> yeah. my legs are out you know it's like I don't know there's something about for me like my masculine energy really comes out when I people would look at me and feel like I'm most hyper feminine. Mm. It's like, it's when I feel my most confident to me is like wh- when I feel my most masculine. But it, you know, it's Ooh. like that very much has been reclaimed in a space that is like what's been labeled feminine in the past maybe. And, yes. and, and, and sorry, I'm um, sorry. So yes. and But like when I feel like my most, I guess like my most feminine, it, it is like kind of the opposite. It's like, it's when I'm like, being very like nurturing and like introverted and like taking that time for myself and I'm like giving to myself like that that's like you know when I'm in my matching sweatsuit and like yeah. and, I, and I'm being <laughs> a little bit more casual but it's like I don't know that 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 to me is like my more like feminine energy is mm. like that that giving to self you know kind of mm. moment in my life. I don't know they're very like. Contrasting kind yeah. of parts of my life, I guess now, so. and it's so
0: individual. And I want people mm-hmm. to be able to decide: like, does this feel true to you? Does this resonate with you? And if it's not resonating with you, and you're like, honestly, Kane Miles, I don't want to subscribe or care about binaryism, yes. even in if it's masculine, feminine energy, and all of that. That's totally fine. Totally. And that's fair. Like, I think we're gonna get to a place in the future where none of that's even necessary. 100%. The reason why we're still using this language, like masculine and feminine energy is because that's the current understanding yes. that we're in and we were raised and conditioned within a world where we were taught to look at and assign certain energies mm-hmm. to different things so it's almost like when you when you hear uh, gendered language yes right and you're like okay well how did they make those decisions you yeah, know what i mean exactly. like it's so deeply rooted that that's just what we have right now but i would love to get to a place where I don't have to separate those parts of myself. Totally. They can all just exist yeah, in harmony. Just flow. Yeah. Flow through it. Fluidity. Uh, yes. The best. <laughs> Be human. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. So, cool. so before we we finish the podcast, I do uh, want to quickly talk a bit about, you know, I think like, because we haven't had really time to yes. talk about your disability yes. at all. And like, I guess like, for me, it's also something that I don't, I wasn't really super aware of. So this is gonna be something that I'm gonna be learning about today too. So could you tell us a little bit about, and is disability, like, is that okay to say? Like, I'm like, I'm still that it's an area where I'm still trying to like learn and grow and like, what is the inclusive language for that now? But um, yeah, could you tell us a little bit about about your journey, I guess,
0: with that? I love this. Thank you for giving me a chance to talk about this as well. I think in terms of, it's so similar to, Maybe folks who are starting to learn about transness yes. and queerness and it kind of getting more familiar with the language and what's OK and what, where are we at with that. So with disability, disability is same thing as trans. You know, it's like a, a word that's a placeholder to tell you that someone faces systemic and social, mm-hmm. physical, mental learning, all kinds of different barriers um, when they are trying to exist in the world. It doesn't necessarily mean that I feel like I'm disabled when I'm alone. Yeah. And that's something interesting to say, right? Because like yes. I'm I'm trans and genderqueer when I'm out in the world, but I'm just a person when yeah, I'm home. Totally. So I, I do mention that I'm neurodisabled and I like to get specific with it just to, you know, shout out other folks out there as well. I'm autistic, self-diagnosed and ADHD diagnosed. That's as far as I know, yeah. uh, there might be more, but you know, so that's how I moved through the world. And it's actually interesting to look at studies and mm-hmm. where research is at in connecting the high statistics of trans people, non-binary included and all other gender uh, expressions um, that we are more likely to be mm-hmm. neuro-disabled, that's so interesting, right? And so I think that's really beautiful because I like to say to people now that the best parts of me, of my personality and, and all the things people love about me I strongly believe that they're because I'm autistic and huh. ADHD. A lot of my quirks and my charisma and my presence and my my sense of humor, yes. like it all comes from that. Totally. You know? So I think it's really beautiful and it, um, uh, okay, wait, what question did you have? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No, Let's I was just
2: like, you. I was curious for you to talk about it, you yeah. know? Like, so I, I feel like you totally did that. Yeah, I
0: think like just, yeah, shouting it
2: out. No, no, something. no. Is there anything that people like don't realize about like you know about your disability, that I people think should be aware.
0: I think that it exists. I think yes. because I'm there's a label that exists in the world that I've been told we're moving away from. We're not using it because it's another binary of uh, high functioning versus low functioning. Yes. But um, you know, I've had medical professionals kind of label me as you're more high functioning autistic or neuro disabled, mm. and I'm like that's not really helpful because it actually means that you're telling me that I am able to mask. Which is when you hide your disability or hide the things that would, yeah, like kind of give away that you're autistic yes. or ADHD, that I'm able to hide and basically act my ass off. I mm-hmm. should get a Grammy for this. Or yeah. <laughs> well, not a Grammy, what is An Oscar yeah. for this, because I've spent so much of my life creating a personality and a persona that mm-hmm. that I hid behind. And it's literally what I did with transness, I also did with my disability. And so that created such a painful place for me to be where it's like, I can't even. Physically be myself in the world, but I also mentally have to hide so many parts of how I want to express and speak mm-hmm. and how creative I can be and my ideas because I was always. Kind of shut down or you talk too much or you're too passionate like yeah. my passion was too much for people i'm Ugh. like oh my god if i'm too much then you're not enough but it's hard to say that when it's your teachers yes. and it's your doctor and it's your parents and it's your community everywhere you go you know and it's so hard when it's there's not like a, like a visible thing that you can see
2: You know, and so, like, people I find don't have as much, like, empathy or, like, just take the time to, like, like, understand Like, what's wrong with
0: you? Like, oh, you're struggling with this? Like, set alarms if you can't be on time. I'm like, time blindness is a thing. 100%. So, like, I'm
2: also, like, I'm super dyslexic. And, like, it's, like, you know, I struggled so much going through school because, like, no one was, like, teaching me in a way that like I could learn you know and like oh they never really wanted to recognize so it And you
0: feel like you're behind or you're slower yeah. or yeah you can't it but it was like it. you know
2: English was one of the hardest ones because mm-hmm. like reading and spelling it's like I just the way that I read and the way that I spell it's like it's so different than other people yeah. you know like I I can read things so quickly but then like I can tell you everything about it yeah. but then like if I was to read it out loud I sound like I can't read you know and it's like it's so strange And what that
0: does to your self-esteem yeah. and your confidence when you're younger and then you also say like growing up Nova Scotia like you didn't have visible totally. queer and trans people so it's like how do you even navigate all of that you just how did, did you shrink did you yeah, hide? Hundred yeah. the
2: same like I just like I, I was like okay I'm gonna ex- I'm gonna push myself to be like really good at the things that I am I'm gonna like try my best to get through the things that I'm not and I think it's also like a it's a big reason why I think I never went to university as well mm. because I never felt like I could and I needed to figure out like how to survive in the world you know without what? I, education I, I
0: still feel that way right yeah. now so like I said I'm turning 30 this month and I'm I've graduated in the pandemic with a two-year diploma uh, from social service work from George oh. Brown thank you so much it was probably one of the biggest accomplishments of my life other than getting top surgery and going on hormones but I haven't decided if I'm going to go to university yet because it doesn't feel like we're at a place where it could accommodate mm-hmm. neurodisability yes. in the ways that I need and looking back the thing that maybe you and I both needed were teachers who are yeah. actually better trained totally. and qualified to help kids like us yes. in class because that didn't really exist no when I was growing up absolutely not yeah.
2: Oh my gosh, I feel like this is a whole other episode oh, too that I'm like <laughs> just like yeah. wanting to dive into. Yeah. But unfortunately we are running out of time. So where can people find you, my gorgeous Kane? Oh, and Lang? Like, where you. can they learn
0: more yes. about you? Oh, okay. Shout out to my friend Joy, who's in the process of working on my website. Ooh. It looks beautiful. It's going to be super genderqueer, color themed, but it's coming. So for now, you can find me at on Instagram at Kane Nathaniel. And you can find uh, more info about my consultancy at True Lives Consulting on Instagram as well. I will be branching out, but it's coming. I love it. Well, thank you so much
2: for your vulnerability in this conversation. This was uh, a gentleman. Uh, All right, we need to have you back. We so. need this podcast. <laughs> and I'm so happy
0: to come back. Thank uh, you for having me. This was absolutely so beautiful, so much fun to do. And I can't wait to see what else you have in store oh for the season. Stay tuned. <laughs>